Hi, I'm Michael Godfrey, and you're listening to a recent talk I gave which explores procrastination in a spiritual context. I pray that you receive a blessing from the message. I'm going to start with a story. <clears throat> I stare down at my book and let out a long sigh. I've been assigned another university assignment. This one's 2,000 words. Dutifully, I record the relevant information displayed on the board as my lecturer babbles about how is 40% of our grain, and he tells us to make a start immediately. It's a long-term assignment, though. We have a whole four weeks to finish it, so I don't have to worry about it right away, do I? Before long, everyone is exiting the lecture theater. The countdown begins. Let's skip ahead three weeks. T-minus five days, five days before the assignment is due. I really should have started by now, but I haven't known where to start. That's alright, though, I still have five days. I take a trip to the library to find an assignment topic. After checking my emails and having a chat to the librarian about a holiday last week, I finally sit down with a blank sheet of paper and a freshly sharpened pencil. Wait, is that a tickle on the back of my throat, I feel? I get up and grab a drink of water. Strolling back past countless rows of books, I can't imagine how I'm supposed to pick just one tiny topic to write about. Exhausted from the unfairness of it all, I decide to call it a day. Four days ago, I sit down at my desk with the same blank sheet of paper and the same pencil. Oh, and the same tickle on the back of my throat as well. So I get up and I grab a drink of water. Before long, my phone lets out a distracting noise. It's a text message from a friend during the same time. She hasn't started yet either. We have four days to go. So I spent three hours talking to her about how much of a waste of time the whole assignment is. Three hours. Alright, time to start right. I say as some dust points down from the desk, or onto my desk. Looking up, I notice how dirty my ceiling fans. How can I work knowing microscopic pieces of dust, possibly filled with gas engines, are, are being blown up by my nostrils? Where did mum and dad keep the step up? Hmm. Three days ago before it's due, I haven't even started yet, but it's Sabbath today. I think I've deserved to break up all the hard work I've done. Cleaning the house, that is. I write down my plans to study in the evening, but it doesn't happen. Two days ago, and I've just come home from a long shift at work. I'm way too tired to use my brain cells now. I settle down and have a much deserved night of reading and watching television. One day ago, and it's 6.30 p.m., I've just come home from playing basketball with some friends. Nobody works well at empty stomach, though. So I take my time at dinner. Finally, I sit down with a blank sheet of paper and a not so freshly sharpened pencil. I start writing. I let it to a friend I had a big camp last year. That's right, relationships are important too. Looking at my clock, I realize I only have 12 hours to finish my paper. I begin to panic, so I read a few chapters of my favorite book to calm down. My throat's dry again, so I get another drink of water. Reread the assignment and write an animal piece of paper. I made a start. Then I notice my DVDs are all seen over for disorganized. So I go over and arrange them in alphabetical order. Back in my room, I lie down on the floor and moan about the injustice of it all, but knowing the end is near, I jump up and I write. And I write and I write and I write. And hours later, I crept into my bed. And my alarm goes off and it's morning already. June 8. When I get to class, I grumble about how I have to stay up all night, slaving away just to finish the paper off. Then the lecturer assigns us another paper, 
Believe me, I've learned my lesson. I write down the new due date and carefully file the assignment away in my notebook. I will get started right away. But first of all, I could really use a drink of water. Okay, don't worry, I'm not that bad when it comes to procrastination. But I do admit, I'm not immune to putting things off either. In fact, some might say I have a bit of a problem with it. Today, though, I want to focus on a different type of procrastination, and that is spiritual procrastination. But let's begin by... Oh, that's not the right slide. Um, The right slide is um, slide number two. So I've got a, dic- um, a, a definition here from Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and it says, Procrastination is the act of putting off or delaying something intentionally or habitually. So, um, <clears throat> it's putting something off. It's like what I was doing with my assignment. It's making up excuses and saying, you know, I don't have to do it right now. I can take my time, I can do it later, there's always going to be more time. Or maybe saying, I don't have enough time, and it's not that important, so I'll just go and do it later. Procrastination is putting things off. So with that in mind, let's have a look at the top five things that people procrastinate. If we can go forwards. We can't go forwards. There it is. Number five is organizing workspaces. So people, um, this is the fifth top thing that people procrastinate. People have a messy, disorganized workspace, and they say, you know, I really should clean it up. I really should get that organized, but they don't. They say, I'll do it later. I'll put it off. Number four is assignments, like in the story, at school, at university, or even assignments at work. People say, oh, you know, uh, I don't feel like doing it, I'll do it later. Number three is correspondence, personal or work correspondence. People say, you know, I really should email that person back, I really should give them a call, but it doesn't happen, or at least not until later. Number two is cleaning tasks. People think, you know, I really should clean up that, that, um, I don't know, that, that basement. Where I've got the, the garage, where I've got all of my, my belongings, they're all in a mess and they're all cluttered, but I, I just don't feel like it's all like. And then the number one thing people procrastinate is exercise. Exercise. And then I've got this picture here. Yep, yeah, there it is. This person says, I'm not disorganized. I know exactly where everything is. The newest stuff is on the top, and the old stuff is on the bottom. But why do people procrastinate? Why? Why do they delay tasks which are so obviously important and beneficial to them? Here are a few of my thoughts. See, procrastination is a matter of priorities. So, in my story, I continually was finding many of tasks that's still ringing. Is that big news? Is my phone In my story, I kept finding tasks, many of tasks that I that I could now use to occupy my time so I wouldn't have to do the big tasks, the task I didn't want to do, which was completing the paper, the assignment. So really what I was doing was I was prioritizing other things above what I was supposed to do. And that's why I'm saying procrastination is a matter of priorities. Um, <clears throat> the problem is that many of the tasks that we don't want to do have deadlines. And that means we have to do them eventually. And so um, it's always better to get things done sooner rather than later, because if you leave things for too long, if you procrastinate them, 
it causes two things to happen. It causes us to sacrifice other activities in order to make time. And so, um, in the example of the story, that would be um, I have to sacrifice my sleep. That I had to set all night, I had to make time. And then the second thing is putting, a, putting in less than 100%. So you rush through something. You, you get it done quickly. You don't, you don't give it your all, you don't give it your best. And um, when that happens, you risk getting a fail grade. You risk having a negative consequence, negative long-term implications. So both of these things are unhealthy and unpleasant. Procrastination may hold negative long-term implications. So if we know that procrastination is unhealthy and unpleasant, how do people rationalize it? Why do people do it? How do they justify it and say, yeah, it's okay, how do they defend their behavior? Here are the top three excuses that people use when someone says, you're procrastinating, why are you doing that? Here's the top three. The first one is, the people say, um, yeah, the person might say, I don't know where to start. I just don't know, I'm overwhelmed with everything. I have no idea how to start or where to start. I, and, um, and that's what they're using to um, say, I'm going to put it off until later. The second one is, I don't need to start right now. I've got all the time in the world, I don't need to start right now. And then the third one is, I don't have enough time. I'm busy. Um, I've got too much on my plate at the moment, I just don't have enough time to do this And so, so those are the top three things. Now let's have a look at what procrastination looks like in a spiritual context. This is what I would say. I would say, the key to maintaining and nurturing any relationship Quality of time. Would you agree with that? Do you think quality of time is the key to nurturing and maintaining a relationship? I think setting aside time to regularly read the Bible, pray, and talk to God is essential for improving our relationship with Him. But unfortunately, we may sometimes be tempted to procrastinate our spiritual world, or to put it off. Of course, we understand how important praying and reading Scripture are to a healthy relationship with God. But and of course, we have good intentions. But intentions alone are not simply enough. We need to turn the aims into actions. If procrastination is a matter of priorities, and we are procrastinating our spiritual growth, we need to stop and ask ourselves, is God our top priority? Now let's have a look at the excuses again. But let's have a look at them in a spiritual context. So let's have a look at the first one. The first one is, I don't know where to start. And people might say, I don't know where to start, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to read the Bible and where to start reading. I don't know where to start. And they could use that, that as an excuse um, and say, I'm just not going to start, I'm just going to do that until later. The second one, I don't need to start right now. I've got all the answers I've got, I don't need to do it right now. And the third one, I don't have enough time. Another question, for God? You don't have enough time for God? Um, so those are the excuses. Now, um, let's have a look at what the Bible has to say about this topic. So I'd like you to turn um, with me your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, we're starting in verse 13. And it says, I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard, of the men devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked at it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler, 
and your need like an armed man. What is Solomon saying in this proverb? If we break it down, he's describing a man who owns a vineyard. What types of traits does the man exhibit, the man that owns the vineyard? It says he's a lazy man. It says he's a man that's devoid of understanding. Um, He said, uh, pictured as someone who has a task, and the task is to maintain the vineyard and keep it in good working condition. But unfortunately, he's using the second excuse. Do you remember what the second excuse is? What's the second procrastination excuse? That's right. I don't need to start right now. And we see the results of this philosophy. The vineyards become overgrown with thorns and the stone walls being broken down. And how different might the vineyard have looked or might it look if he had set aside the time to deal with the problems before they could get out of hand? If he didn't say, I don't need to start right now. Instead, if he said, I should do it right, right away. I should, I should take care of the vineyard. He didn't let it get out of hand. He didn't put it off. He didn't wait until late. How different might the vineyard have looked then? Our relationship with God can be likened to the man's vineyard. If we, sp- if we fail to spend time, quality time with God, then the relationship will deteriorate, gradually deteriorate. Thankfully, similarly to the vineyard, it can be repaired, but it can't be done in one day. It takes time to repair a broken relationship. And so, I think prevention is better than a cure. I think, I think that um, if we, in, instead of putting it off and saying, I have all the time for an ultimate later, I don't need to start right now. If we do, if we get into that routine, if we get, um, if we are disciplined and we say, I'm, you know, I'm going to, and we don't let it happen, we don't let it escalate to that, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, we don't have to spend all that time um, repairing a broken relationship because our relationship is going to be, isn't going to be broken in the first place. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 6 now. Um, Proverbs chapter 6, which is 18 chapters backwards. Uh, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I like how they put this one. Proverbs chapter 6. It says, Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I think this passage is pretty self-explanatory. God, through Solomon, is warning us about the dangers of putting off important tasks. He actually says, don't put it off. Don't put the tasks off. Do them right now. And the utmost of these tasks, I think, are the tasks related to our spiritual lives. Um, Solomon addresses the first procrastination excuse. What's the first excuse? Yeah, that's right. I don't know where to start. And he says, well, look at the ants. He says, learn from their ways. No one teaches the ants to gather food. They don't have a prince or a governor or someone that's ruling over them, telling them what to do. But they know the work's important. And so they do it without haste, and they do it to the best of their ability. They find out how to do it. they're, They're eager. They're hungry for it, so they go searching. They find out what needs to be done, and they do it to the best of their ability, even if it's not perfect, per se. Uh, And the third couple of passages I want to look at, um, where we're looking at the third procrastination excuse, which is what? What's the third excuse? 
I don't have enough time. And um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians first, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, for this verse, um, I was reading a little bit about this topic, um, and I came across a pastor named Pastor Steve Cable. And what he does is, um, these verses talk about the idea of life on this earth, and what we do with our life on this earth. And what he does is he replaces life on this earth in the passage with time on this earth, because we're talking about time. And so I'll show you, it's pretty powerful, I'll show you what it says with the um, abridged version. It says, um, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for and he died for all. So that they who have time on this earth might no longer use their time for themselves, but for him who died and rose again in their behalf. So in other words, I think the verse is saying no one is more worthy of our time than God is. His sacrificial love for us demands that we give him time and that we make him our top priority. I, I think he understands that we do have a full-on day. We have a day where it's, it's just completely packed and we just can't, don't even have time to sit down. But I think most of the time, we, you know, I think people can find 10 minutes to sit down and read the newspaper or have lunch. I think they can find 15 minutes to, to um, um, I don't know, have a, have a snack or have a break. And the verse is saying, who is more worthy of uh, that time? Who deserves that time more than God does? Because of the sacrifice that he has given us, because of what he has done for us. It says, you know, that, that excuse, I don't have enough time. We could just sit around and say, do you really not have enough time for God? And then the second passage here is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10.31. And I've got another one for screen again. Um, I've substituted it again. It says, so whether you eat or drink or... However you spend your time, use all of your time for the glory of God. And that won't stop explanatory again. God expects us to give Him our time. And not a few minutes at the end of the day when we're already half asleep, but quality time throughout the day where we can truly dwell in His presence and where we can truly, um, I guess, improve our relationship with Him. Um, the final passage I have is in John chapter 15. Uh, we're starting in verse 1. John 15, verse 1. And it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. From this passage, we're made aware of just how important spending quality time with God really is. Jesus likens us to branches. So he says, um, we're the branches. Um, and every branch that bears fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. Um... But unless we consistently abide with Jesus, unless we consistently bear fruit, oh sorry, well unless we consistently abide with him, we won't bear any spiritual fruit. And the powerful metaphor that is shown here uh, really displays how damaging procrastination can be to our relationship with God. How damaging putting off our devotional life, putting off spending time with God, talking to him, praying with him, reading the word, uh, 
can be to the whole relationship. Did I just go backwards a little bit? Yeah, I did. Sorry. Um, remember, procrastination is habitual. That's what the definition is. So it happens more than once. It happens over and over again. If we miss one devotion, I don't think our connection to our Creator will, will be affected very much. But if this becomes a habit, if it becomes something that happens often, that um, day upon day we say, uh, we use one of those three excuses, and we become complacent, and we become, I suppose, um, you know, a, a little bit uh, less motivated than, than we were before to spend time with God, then our relationship is short of fault, so justice is branch with us when it's disconnected from the source. And then I've got one more quotation here. This is from the book Steps to Christ. Um, and this is what Ellen White has to say about procrastination. And she's talking about procrastinating our repentance of sins. So we're looking at Steps to Christ here, um, chapter 3, which is called Repentance. And it says, Beware of procrastination. Do not put off the work of forsaking your sins and seeking purity of heart through Jesus. Here is where thousands upon thousands of heirs to their eternal loss. I will not here dwell upon the shortness and uncertainty of life. But there is a terrible danger, a danger not sufficiently understood, in delaying to yield to the pleading voice of God's Holy Spirit, and choosing to live in sin, for such this delay really is. Sin, however small it may be seen, can be indulged in only at the peril of infinite loss. What we do not overcome will overcome us and work out our destruction. <coughs> okay. So we've looked at what procrastination is. We've looked at why people do it. We've looked at the excuses they use and we've looked at the negative implications. More specifically, we've explored what spiritual procrastination is and what procrastination looks like. Procrastination looks like in a spiritual context. And we've examined what the Bible has to say. Finally, I want to look at some things that we can do to overcome or to avoid spiritual procrastination in our own lives. And the first one here is we can make a routine and we can stick to it. I think statistically, um, uh, I think um, statistically when you make a routine, when you get into the habit of doing something day upon day, it, um, it becomes, um, you know, it becomes well-grounded. Um, it's, it's something that you, that you don't tend to put off. If something is spontaneous. If you, if you say, you know, um, I'm going to do this task, but I don't mind when I do it. I'm going to do it maybe at 8 o'clock one day and at 5 o'clock another day. Um, it makes it a lot harder to, to stick to it. But if you get into the routine of saying every, every morning at 6.30 in the morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have my devotion or... Uh, at my lunch break, I'm going to, I'm going to pray to God, or um, in the evening before I go to bed, I'm going to have my devotion. If you make that your routine day one day, I think it's going to be easier for you to not pull that off. It's going to be easier for you to, to stick to that, to that um, commitment that you've made. <clears throat> uh, the second one, modify your environment. And ask yourself, is it inclusive to spiritual work? So, um, the example I was thinking was... Um, you know, it, uh, are you trying to have a devotion at um, 9 o'clock or 8.30 when everyone's walking around the house and there are cars or outside and they're beeping their horns and everyone's going crazy? It's, it's, just, it's just hard. Um, if, you, if you modify your environment a little bit and if you say, I'm going to wake up a little bit earlier and, and close the bedroom door and, and just have peace and quiet, then I think it's easier for you to not only 
not only um, avoid the procrastination, but also have a more fulfilling um, devotion. And then number three is, we've already talked about this one, is to make God our top, make God our top priority. Um, so I'm not going to go into that too much. Number four is to become immersed in, immersed in spiritual things. Um, and what I mean by this one is um, during everyday activities. So um, a lot of people say, you know, I don't have enough time to spend time with God. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll do it at night or something. Um, but then what they fail to realize is they're, they're, going, they're driving to work for 15 minutes. They're back every day. Um, they've got, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of a lunch um, where they have a break. They could easily put on a podcast or listen to spiritual music on their way to work. They could easily talk to God during their lunch break. They could talk to God throughout the day. Um, there's lots of things I think that we can do because I'm guilty of this as well, procrastinating um, my spiritual growth at times. But I think there's lots of things we can do to become immersed in spiritual things throughout the day. And one example that I have Something that I've been doing recently is I just have a little um, um, kind of, I have post-it notes and I've been writing verses on post-it notes and keeping them around the house um, so that when I walk around and I, I see the verse sticking out, it, it just kind of reminds me, uh, well, first of all, just I, I get to read it and I get to, it reminds me of God and, and I get to um, think about what the verse means and it's just, it's just a nice way to break up the day because the day's going to be busy. It's just a nice way to break it up into kind of give you a bit of, um, I guess, spiritual version, like the, like the point is saying. And then the final one that I have is perseverance. And um, this is important for me. So if you, if you have a bad day, so if you have a bad day and you say, oh, I, I really, you know, I really wanted to spend time with God's sake, but I just didn't get around to it. You know, and um, you, you can't let that discourage you. You can't let that affect what your day is going to be like tomorrow. I think you're allowed to have a, good, a bad day. I think God understands. But I think um, what, what God accepts, I think, is um, for you to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up and I'm going to have a better day today. I'm going to look at these other things and, and see what I can do. And then the final thing I think that we can do to overcome spiritual procrastination is just ask God to help us. It's just say, God, you know, I, I care about you and I care about the relationship um, between you and I and, and I don't want to put it off. And I don't want to kind of you know, leave it. Um, I, I want to. I want it to be my top priority. I want it to be the highlight of my day. And um, if we ask God, I think He'll help us to not uh, put it off, to, to to want to do it, have that desire to spend time with Him. Um, because we know what happens when we have a relationship with someone, and then we um, we don't call them, we don't text them, we put off a correspondence with them. The relationship kind of withers and dies like that being disconnected from the soul, so we don't want that to happen to our relationship with God. We should never let ourselves fall into the trap of saying we don't know where to start, of saying we have all the time in the world, or of saying we don't have any time at all. Instead, we should ensure that God is our top priority, and we should make time for Him, because no one is more worthy of our time than God is. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the talk and have been inspired to reevaluate your spiritual life in light of procrastination, which is something I think a lot of us can struggle with. Also, if you're interested in having a more in-depth look at some of the themes and ideas presented here, I encourage you to check out a video over on the After Sermon podcast channel, in which I expand a lot on the information from this sermon, talk about what inspired me to create it, and also talk about some of the things that I had to take out due to time constraints. 
So if you're interested in learning more about this topic, the link to that video is in the description. God bless everyone.